0: This episode is brought to you by Blueprint Renovate Program, the program designed to create space in your firm to cultivate mindset change through what you do every day. Visit blueprinthq.com.au slash contact to start the conversation. Welcome to Conversations with Sam Dean. I'm Sam Dean and I'm excited to have you here to explore the conversations that accountants and advisors can have with their clients to cultivate business mastery. All the notes and links for the show can be found at blueprinthq.com.au slash podcast. Let's start a conversation. Well, good morning, everybody. Well, it might not be morning where you are, but wherever you are, good morning, good evening and hello. Today, I have the absolute honor of having Greg Gunther, who's the director of Your Business Momentum, which is a coaching business. I've known, and Greg will give you a rundown of his very varied um, career and in, in a minute, but I've ha- had the honor of knowing Greg for a number of years now. I'm going to say, Greg, what, over at least a decade, and so really admire what Greg does, particularly in the business growth and strategy Space and around, you know, a passion of mine, which is making sure your personal goals are taken care of, actually in your business as well. So, Greg, if I could hand it over to you, could you just give us a brief rundown of, you know, how you came to be sitting here today, and particularly drilling down on your financial services um, experience as well?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, thanks, Sam. And um, yeah, very, very flattering with your your intro there. Like, my background has been quite varied, and Um, I've had lots of different experiences through life but I guess you know after having a bit of a corporate career and venturing for the very first time into business for myself that first business venture was an absolute disaster an absolute failure and uh, I think for me at the time it was just a very difficult experience but um, in hindsight and reflection it's one of those experiences that I think I needed to have and certainly has contributed to where I am right now you know after recovering from that that business failure. I, I did spend the next seventeen years in uh in financial services uh in practice and started out uh, initially contracting as a, a moonlight uh contractor helping people but not very long after that went into back into my own business, my own practice. And yeah, you know, I guess, you know, the the thing I really enjoyed about that was the uh sitting and helping people. I, I did find an affinity with understanding, you know, trying to get deep understanding with what people were trying to achieve and then uh, helping them set up, uh, in this case, context financially, you know, set themselves up towards their futures. So I think that was really good grounding for me. But the thing that I realised and probably more realised as I progressed in that career was uh, there's so much more. Uh, Like, you know, we were dealing very much just narrowly with their wealth creation and wealth protection but a lot of these people were in lots of businesses and suffering or uh, experiencing a lot of other challenges that they were having and I found myself gravitating towards those discussions and it was really quite interesting as you know we started to realise that we were actually in business as well and a lot of the things that we were relating to in the conversations we were having were experiences that we'd had for ourselves so So I sold that practice in uh, 2007, and it was it just seemed like a natural thing. uh, What I find myself doing uh, very soon after exiting that business was a number of my associates, business associates, came to me and actually asked me if I could work inside their businesses with them and uh, help them. In fact, the very first brief I got, which I had to actually ask an explanation for, was, can you please come help me do what you've done for yourself? and Yeah, it was really quite interesting, and I, I did have to have it. It was a please-explain moment, and it was probably that dawning uh, to a large extent because what he said to me was, um, I want you to make me redundant in my own business. And, yeah, that was his perception of what I'd achieved, and that was, for me, it was a little bit of a light bulb moment because I hadn't really thought about that very much. And that that was really the genesis of uh, what I'm doing now and just going out and helping others you know, to a large extent, try and reignite some passion because a lot of people are very tired and uh, overwhelmed and quite fatigued uh, in business today. And, you know, this is really about how do we get back in control of things.
0: Yeah, a couple of things there I'd like to circle back on, which I think are so important. Um, First of all, your difficult experiences in businesses, and I think that that's the key to being a great business coach. I think you have had to experience both ends of it. I think people who say they've always been successful you know, yeah. haven't really lived it and it did bring you so much understanding to, to what it is like and what I think you learn more from what goes wrong. Of course, you learn more from what goes wrong than what, what doesn't. Yeah. And I was speaking to somebody last night actually who's in a similar area and it was a colossal mistakes, that actually has strengths for her to coach in this space. And I think that that's what makes it so important. And could yeah. I just drill down on one aspect there? When you said you went from that into financial services, Hmm. Did I hear it correctly that when you're in the financial services it didn't really occur to you that you had a business then?
1: Or no, it, t- it took me a while um, to understand mm-hmm. that. I, you know, for me, at that point in my career, and lifetime, I was really searching for, you know, connection with a passion, I suppose, or you know, trying to find purpose. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of talk about finding purpose. but So I was probably more connected with that initially and, and trying to find a vocation where I felt like I was contributing positively and yeah you know, i didn't it didn't really sort of strike me uh for a while that you know i was actually running a business and uh, you know it's i think we just do things um, because we do them well and yes. hopefully uh we we find that vocation where it's it aligns with our passion uh, not everybody has that, that fortune but i i really gravitated towards the giving advice and helping that that was really what i connected with strongly and uh, it was really only more later uh, as that business developed and I started recruiting and, you know, I started then having more clients to deal with. So a few other things came under pressure and challenge that mm-hmm. I started to then have that sort of realisation, oh, well, hang on a minute, I'm actually running a business here as well.
0: I think that's so important for everyone to know, to be cool if you just take a moment on that, because obviously mm-hmm. I work entirely in the professional services industries and we kind of forget sometimes because we're technically great at something and then the next step naturally in our industries are to then own a business. But owning a business and running a business is a completely different skill set mm-hmm. and sometimes we forget that because what finds us joy in, in our everyday, whether it's like a tax accountant or a financial planner, um, a lawyer, or whatever that may be, then why do we then have the expectation that there we're going to be a business owner, and I don't think sometimes, Greg, I might get your feedback on this. That sometimes we don't even consider, as you just said, consider ourselves a business owner. And what does that, does that actually mean?
1: Hmm. Yeah, and look, we're not actually taught, Sam, yes, how to do this. You know, like, and I think a lot of the frustration comes, um, and you know, and I felt this for myself as well, starting employing people. And when you employ people, you expect them to actually come in and do what you need them to have done for you. But then the disappointment comes when, you know, maybe they're not actually doing things the way we assumed they would. Uh, and then, of course, you know, we're not that skilled often with dealing with people. We've never been taught soft skills. And, you know, we we then get challenged by some of those. And you, know, you have staff getting upset, you have staff leaving, and you know and then there's a bit of blame and judgment going on and, you know, it's just spirals. So it's all stuff that we're not taught.
0: I always laugh that I've got a, a Bachelor of Business, a manager in accounting, um, and no one taught me in that degree how to run a business. Um, and I don't think a lot of the, that was 30 years ago that I got that. And I don't think it's changed from an education point of view either. I know that you can do bachelors of businesses on entrepreneurs, etc., but you go into different level, um, areas, not necessarily professional services from that. So it's a skill that we have to learn. And I also think, again, You work in these areas a lot as well that sometimes we lose the joy when we become business owners because Mm -hmm. it is a different skill set and the whole different stresses and and it might be about putting the right people in the right seats and maybe putting business managers or people who are specialised in running businesses so you can actually do what you do every day well, which is Mm -hmm. maybe the technical aspect of it. I assume you work with clients on that
1: too. That's right and you've touched on a couple of uh, interesting areas there like. You know, we, we talk about getting right people, right seats, but we're not taught how to recruit either. You know, the whole recruitment process, uh, what typically happens is it's more organic when it, when it's happening in business. We get pressured capacity gets to stretch uh, and we think, oh, we need some help with this. So, so it's not really clear what we're recruiting for. We just, I've literally have an example here in the last few weeks of one of our clients where, you know, they, they were interviewing, but the, and they appointed, but when the person arrived and you know, took up the appointment, They had no idea what they were there to do. It was just the business owner was, you know, reaching some capacity and wanted a bit of help, but this person only literally lasted a matter of weeks because there was no role clarity. The the owner was confused and giving all different uh, signals and orders as to what they wanted done, and this person, you know, pretty much, uh, you know, was very despondent very quickly. So we're not sure how to, you know, recruit people properly. Yeah, and, so I think and then we recruit ourselves.
0: <laughs> we go and yeah. get people who look and look like ourselves, which is also not the yeah. thing to do either. I've
1: learned that, yeah. way. Yeah, we? Yeah, um, we sit down and we interview somebody and they sound nice and then we like them and then we appoint them. Whereas what we're really looking for is the complementary skills.
0: Absolutely. So the next thing I'd like to – we've kind of only got to 2007 at this stage. So yeah, we um, have. <laughs> I know that there's some interesting stuff coming up, particularly around some coaching groups that you started in the personal health area. And, yeah, can you give us the next sort of stages in the story of of the businesses that you've had?
1: Yeah, so, Sam, I suppose one of the things that um, happened was in those earlier years was uh, I picked up uh, a number of uh, client engagements which were sort of in different areas. And, you know, one of those areas actually was health, which is the one you're alluding to and um, in the allied health space particularly and you know we worked together for a while and started to you know get some good traction on uh, different results and uh, sort of getting right people right seats and all the, the things that we just spoke about and that started to realize some good results and you know with that particular engagement we talked about you know where, where might we might be able to take this beyond that and um, And in that particular example, we started to work in other allied health businesses. So we realised that the business model that uh, had been created there uh, was one that, you know, really pretty much could be turnkeyed across a lot of other uh, allied health practices. And um, as a consequence of that, we created a separate business that now operates, um, you know, not here just in Australia, but it operates in Australia, New Zealand and the UK. And it's a business that actually uh, helps practitioners, help practitioners uh, become business owners. That's, that's pretty much the, um, the brief. So that business, I'm, I'm not involved in that business any longer. It's actually now standing on its own feet. And um, yeah, the founders are continuing on and growing that business uh, successfully. Um, so that you did one your of job.
0: You made yourself redundant.
1: You made yourself redundant, totally, exactly. Um, so, yeah, I'm... Uh, and I think, you know, this has been my realization too, uh, Sam, that's, it's one for everybody where I think we, when we actually really identify closely with what we do and, um, you know, the sort of space that we're working in, we sort of know when we are redundant. So, you know, that we take businesses to a certain place and, you know, our goal and our measure of success is really when, you know, those people can actually do that for themselves and then go and continue to grow beyond that. So I think, For a lot of us you know it's really what is it that we actually do what can we identify with where we're adding that value and uh, and then you know slowly but surely how do we actually you know take those skills to a different place
0: absolutely i I think you come on a key thing here and i know that when i was sort of shifting and the firms that i've owned and still own when you work in the compliance protection space your clients Mm. come back every year and so you don't kind of come redundant, but when you go into the advising or coaching space, which everyone seems to want to come into, in the growth space, your your goal is actually then to make yourself redundant, except for maybe that check in and the accountability piece. So then, how do you actually you know, merge those two models and those two mindsets in such an interesting space?
1: Yeah,
0: I know I struggle with it. Think too in business, yeah. Sam.
1: Um, you know, as we. Like it, it, goes through its cycles, but when we're in business, we, we pretty much at the outset and probably for too many years do everything. But then once we, we would look to where do we go to from here? I think, uh, a lot of people in business can actually try and create that business around them where they're, uh, not necessarily as, re- it's not as reliant on them and they can be yeah. doing the thing they really enjoy and have uh, a yeah. big passion. And, and that's the goal.
0: Yeah. So, um, in your business now, I know that it's, we had a quick discussion about this a little, quite a while ago now. So you're kind of in, in a startup, if that makes sense. <laughs> um, it is. yeah. Probably was that the first time you think you've, I mean, obviously the previous coaching groups and stuff, they were startups as well. So what, what's the challenges? So can you be a little bit more specific in my questioning here? The challenges of a startup and then actually putting the compliance and protection piece around it. So putting the foundation into mm-hmm. that. So the boring stuff, so making sure the structure's right and making sure that your protection and compliance advisors understand where you want to go with the business so you can get the foundations right. What sort of advice yeah. did you get there or have in the past and, and what would you look for and what do you advise your clients?
1: Yeah, so it was an interesting uh, thing. Uh, like it's now uh, your business momentum as it exists right now uh, is just turned three years old and uh, at the time, And that was born out of bringing on a a business partner, uh, to work with me. And that realization was just that we're back in startup again. And so I had to, I had to focus. And if I'm really truthful, I was a bit slow in doing that, but I was sort of probably because I've been in business for so long, I, I just continued on as I had done in the past. But then, you know, it started to dawn on me very, Not long after that I hang on a minute. This is a business back in startup. So, so we, we had to go back into, okay, so where are our priorities now? And so, you know, it's obviously with things like setting up structures and that sort of thing, we, we did rely on our accountants to assist us with that. But in that startup phase, it was really about how do we actually position? What is our value offering? And. How do we articulate that value offering and where is it that we can actually find the people that would actually see value in that? Um, so yeah. it became very much a focus around growth in that early phase. And the, the assistance we actually had at that point was, and, and look, um, again, I'll be very truthful, we, we wasted a lot of money, Sam, uh, on yeah. things like marketing. You know, we tried a lot of different things. Not many of those things worked. And you know your question to me is what advice would I have? I would not waste a lot of money on marketing. I think some of the basic fundamentals are, you know, really get back to what is your true value? What is the problem that you're solving for people? Uh, yep. and then try and find where people are that have that problem and then go directly to them to try and help mm-hmm. them solve it. So, so for us, you know, if, if I use us as the example, 100% of our business does come through word of mouth referral and yep. that's coming from other professionals like, uh, like accountants, uh, like mm-hmm. financial we do get a small number coming from the, the legal sector. And, of course, the other one is is happy clients uh, also referring. So we've learned that we need to, you know, basically start to build relationships with those influencers that are going to introduce that business to us. So that was sort of that early phase uh, for us. So startup was uh, just getting back to basics again and then, you know, getting – The right people around us. So one of the best things that I did in that startup was actually have my business partner, who's very complementary in my skill set, come on board. And that was one of the the smartest moves that we made because uh, what it allowed us to do was to, you know, really build that complement of skills. Was allow, you know, basically build uh, a deeper relationship or a deeper value delivery to all of the clients that we work with. So I guess my, my piece of advice was, you know, be very, very clear about what problems am I solving and mm. uh, a lot of work around um, getting very, uh, very tight around that. And then, you know, where can I actually find the people that are suffering that particular pain that are, and you need enough of them, obviously, to make it a commercial venture?
0: Yeah, it's, it's such an interesting conversation to have because... We are bombarded so much by that, that aspect, like we can help you grow your business, get your marketing right, but yeah. a lot of that stuff I'm, I find and, you know, I'm hearing a story and it, it mirrors mine in, in, in a lot of ways as well, and it is that. What the problem is solving and where are those people hanging out? And normally yeah. business owners that you're dealing with and, and certainly what we're dealing with, they're actually hanging out in their businesses, feeling yeah. overwhelmed. So exactly. they're not hanging out where the marketing is. So um, mm-hmm. how do you get into that? And as you said, it's all about relationships. And I think going into 2020, that's unique selling proposition is we've got to get back to base relationships and conversations, get out and start talking to people. You know, you're,
1: know. you're bordering on a very um, favourite topic of mine really because uh, I, I also feel <laughs> I <know. laughs> yes, as, as professionals, you know, yeah. I think we actually do need to be collaborating a lot more together. And, yes. you know, if I had a disappointment through my startup experience, it was the, there was no help, <laughs> really. And, you know, where I might have expected to get some of that help, it wasn't there. Um, yeah. you know, and I think as professionals, we put the client in the center of all of this and you know, get very clear about what client outcomes we're looking for. And, you know, we need to push our egos aside and realize what we do and what we don't do and uh, and then start to work with people who can fill the gaps for us um, that we know and trust and can work with. So, as I said, you know, 100% of our business comes through referral and that's through us building really lovely, uh, deep, collaborative relationships with other professionals particularly. Mm-hmm. But I have to say, Sam, a lot of people are still uh, in old thinking in professional services around that.
0: I think it's um, – and I'm actually – Episode six and seven is about exactly this. So shifting from the professional services mindset into the advisory mindset, which is a collaborative mindset. Um, and you know, why we get stuck. And obviously a lot of it's our training and our expert training on solutions based about around what we do, as opposed to solutions around what the client needs. So moving to that client centric, which means collaboration. And yes. it goes back, I think, circles back right to what you said at the beginning and what we discussed If we haven't got the training on collaboration and, you know, I mm. struggle with this in, you know, the, the, the firms that I've owned as well, even internally, we get so focused and we're so busy on what we do every day, we don't look at the solutions outside of that and, how you know, how do we take and these are the time-based expert businesses that well, I don't have the time, I need to charge the time, I need to sit here and I need to solve this problem rather than looking holistically at it. And I think we have to shift away from that. And this is challenging, this is hard, but we have to, I think professionals have to, all professionals have to get to, to get together and find a solution to this. And I think you hit on the solution is start getting to know each other and getting to know what other people do so at least you understand what they do. And then what's important to clients, and you don't we don't have to be the deliverer. I think as experts in professional services, people we don't like going to a problem that we don't know the solution to. But that's where curiosity and everything comes in. I
1: agree totally, Sam. I think you know this whole concept of time-based charging uh, for me for many years has been flawed. In fact, when I was in professional services in my practice, um, you know, we introduced uh, value pricing in 1996. You know, so it's all about, you know, what value is it that we're delivering? And, you know, if you think about that, if we solve a, a client's problem, what is that actually worth to them? And it, and it's it's not necessarily in monetary terms either. It can be that they just get a holiday with their family. You know, and that's, that's the sort of stuff that we're finding as feedback coming in from our clients is for the first time I've actually been able to have a few weeks off.
0: And and so, seriously value
1: that. Seriously. Totally. totally. And, you know, so I'm I think... Yeah, and you know, where does where does time based charging fit in that? You know, like I, I just feel like we we all provide a lot of value, and you know, I know as accountants, um, you know, they they work really hard at uh, helping their clients uh, make sure that they're you know paying the right levels of tax and not too much, and you know, making sure they've got the right structures in place, making sure that they've got the the protection in place that they need. But you know, that's that's high value. When clients get the bill. And they see it as being expensive because they don't see the value in. You're not articulating the value enough across to what you're actually providing.
0: Yeah, and this is this is so important what you're talking about there, particularly in the protection compliance space, because it's not as I don't like using the word, but is it sexy as what you're talking about before? So getting people to have holidays, etc is really, and growing, and particularly in the, some of the wealth metrics, and growing revenue, etc. it's out there, and it's really been, you know, people, I think particularly the guys I work with look at that and go, well, you know, people do really value that, but they don't value getting their tax return done. But what they do value, if you get down to it, you get to what the problem that has been solved in protection compliance, is you're making people feel safe. That's the problem to solve that. Um, and People will connect that to the same view as what you're talking about, but we don't tell the story of that piece. So therefore, no one's going to value it because they don't understand it.
1: And Sam, you know, I think a lot of this um, actually comes back to us valuing ourselves as well. Uh, Thank I, you. Yes. I don't. I don't think a lot of professionals, because we we position ourselves, we we think we're delivering the value through showing our expertise and our knowledge, sharing our knowledge, but the end of the day I don't think we're valuing ourselves enough and you know once you start to do that and you appreciate that and then you start to feel more comfortable you know opening up and sharing with clients the value you're helping deliver for them as well which borders outside of just being the the compliant the pure compliance type stuff which as you say is not sexy.
0: Yeah um, but for me the compliance protection is sexy because without it Oh, yes. Don't grow and don't get your, of your business. But no one's telling that story, you know, in the in the greater media and everything. So that's one of, the, bit of my mission at the moment is to say, let's change the story. Hey guys, it's super important what you do. If you can start valuing it, then everyone else will value it. So, um, and
1: you know, uh, if I go right back to my business failure. I came out of a very successful corporate career and just launched straight into this business. I I was actually using an accountant to advise as we were doing our uh, our due diligence. But Sam, the advice that I needed wasn't there. That business failed inside 12 months. And had I done a proper due diligence process, I thought I'd tick the box of getting professional advice. The professional advice uh, ended up being flawed and missed a lot of things that I should have seen for myself. And what did that cost me? You know, like in terms of we're talking about value here, uh, I lost everything through that experience. So had, uh, and I think, you know, had I done the proper process, I would not have gone into that business. If I had have got the right advice, I would not have gone into that business. And so I wouldn't have had the experience of losing everything. So it's a bit harder to sort of quantify the value. But, you know, losing everything is a pretty painful experience, I can tell you, and having to start over again right. when you're in your 30s, it's uh, yeah. it's not a very nice experience, and um, you yeah, know this is this is a this is a place we play, and this is what we're actually doing to help people, and it's high value, it's very very high value.
0: And I think th- I think you hit it on something here, and I don't know if this is right. This is me having a, a a thought here, so please tell me if I'm wrong. In that instance, and I see it quite often, is just because as a and we go back to the collaboration. If you get sort of that due diligence and it's not your expertise, as experts we tend to say yes to things that maybe we shouldn't and, you know, bringing in someone else who is really good at due diligence or has looked at businesses together might have been the better option there. I'm not sure if, if that would have no, done yes, it. Yes, but know in my career as an accountant, I thought I knew stuff because I knew nothing about businesses and exactly that due diligence and, you know, frankly, I didn't. So, hmm. We don't know what we don't know. So sometimes you've got to get curious and look outside to then yeah. say, well, I've never done a due diligence before. I'm not really sure about this. Is there someone who's, who
1: could do this for us? No, you're, you're spot on, Sam. And had that happened, in my personal experience, uh, I don't believe I would have, you know, suffered the loss of everything. Like it, it, the uh, particular accountancy firm that I was using um, were, had business advisory in their tag and, you know, this was something they portrayed as being that they did. They didn't have the skills, uh, they didn't do the the proper process and should have actually engaged uh, other people to come and assist. And had those people been contracted in to help, uh, I feel very confident the the issues that arose uh, would have been discovered before I even sort of entered into the contract. So, you know, this is, again, partly ego, but partly also recognising what we do and what we don't do and the importance of working with the people to get the right outcomes for our clients uh, we, you know it's it's just such uh, uh, an important value piece that we deliver.
0: Yeah and I think accountants are key because most people have accountants obviously from a tax point of view and if we can get this piece right we can really be central but you know unfortunately what you just told me is not the first time I've heard that sort of story um, and not just about accountants this is a professional services thing this is certainly yes. not about that it's hmm. You know, we do look at things in isolation and we're trained to look at things in isolations, but particularly going into the next decade, we need to then expand out. Um, I know early on in my career, I went the hard way of you know, situations that you're talking about. And then, you know, sometimes I think we go the other way as well. Is like we'll be super conservative and knock everything back, which is when I was doing a lot of valuation with the business brokers, that happened a lot as well. So again, the opposite result is you know, we would look at it from a very conservative way and quite rightly so, well, there's no, you know, they weren't looking at the other aspects of it, not only the financial, so they were knocking it back. So, therefore, there was opportunities that may or may not have gone off. Yes. Yep. In the other. Agreed. In the other. Side. So, I think that comes back very much to that collaboration point that you were talking about. And I think as we go forward into the next, that's, I think, where the disruption will come is conversations around, not, you know, technology, there's no big disruption there. Like it's just going to get more and more efficient and we can use it more and more. So we have more and more time, if you like, to have these conversations with other. always keeping the client central and then having that network of people that we can call on to bring it together. But then they also have, you have to have very strong relationships and strong understanding of how you all work together as well and how you actually then put a collaborative business models or networks in place. I think this is the next challenge is, not only understanding what other people do, but how do we bring those networks together so we all work together and we all serve unsuccessful businesses in
1: doing I think uh, technology um, is actually an enabler for us. So I'm very yes, excited about exactly. that technology because it allows us to actually get back to what we do well, and, and that's the face-to-face mm-hmm. relationship stuff. You know, it, we... We get so caught up in a lot of, um, you know, what we call red stuff, but it's it's all the stuff that doesn't earn us money. And you know, if you look at the percentage of time that takes you to, you know, be manually doing a lot of stuff at the moment, that's really not that productive. Technology is going to take a lot of that and uh, automate that for us and make it a lot easier. And you know, I really do feel like we're moving into a decade where a lot of that's going to free us up to get back to some of this relationship stuff. So I'm very excited about this step. I, I reckon this is really-
0: oh, I, I'm right um. with you I think it's super time and people who are already you know freeing up their time with the digitalization or what they do every day just that's making them more efficient and then create actually then going in, I mean listen to this guys you've got to go and get the training around the conversation and stuff and that's definitely out there and even so just you know walking down to coffee shops and talking to business owners about mm-hmm. what they want, so freeing up the time from the technology, I think. And the mm-hmm. technology is actually going to then enable us also to interact with other advisors mm-hmm. much easier and more yeah. efficiently. And, and and the physicality of it as as well. I was there's some really interesting technology coming out in the virtual reality space. So rather than doing webinars and stuff, you'll be literally able to pop yourself into boardrooms. Yep. Um, <laughs> I can't yep. wait for that one and um, it's already here it's just very expensive but yeah
1: it's, so cool. it's been done already you're right yeah. i think Tim robbins actually might have already done one uh, where he had a hologram of himself um in front of a, a a audience that was across the other side of the world from him absolutely
0: problem is you'd have to get like you know fully dressed <laughs> sometimes um, i do webinars you yeah. exactly. <laughs> have yeah, my makeup done <laughs> but exactly. um, giving, that's you're
1: giving away all the secrets now sam
0: <laughs> okay Thank you, Greg. Um, so where can people connect with you? Um, can you just give us a quick rundown of your websites and your social media tags?
1: Sure. Um, so the easiest place to find us is uh, obviously at our website. It's uh, www.yourbusinessmomentum, or one word, uh, .com.au. I am on Facebook as well. So if you just uh, search Greg Gunther on Facebook or Your Business Momentum on Facebook, uh, you'll find us as well. Uh, and the other place I hang out is on LinkedIn. So um, if you just do a search of uh, myself on LinkedIn, you'll find me in there as well. So they're, they're my three sort of key areas that you find us.
0: Can, can you believe the different conversations that we're having than when we first met? Like, you know, none of yeah. that, that language like, we, we just talked was even there. You know, it was no. pre, even pre-zero and um, I think mm-hmm. maybe some of the social media stuff. We're not that old, so the internet was around. But, no, you but- know, you
1: said- I think yeah. all you're highlighting there, Sam, is just how quickly this stuff is moving. And if you think about that and push that forward for another uh, five to ten years, imagine uh, there's all this stuff that's out there that we just don't know yet. And um, and I think the younger the younger sort of audience coming through in building our workforce now uh, are the ones that are going to drive it. And um, yes, you know, it's it's just a really exciting time to be in business. I think. And you know, if we embrace it rather than try and fight it, I, I think we're going to. Yeah, there's there's a bit of a, a paradox here because I, I think there will be a lot of resistance uh, from some businesses as we move into this next decade, and I, I think that's fraught with danger. There'll be others that will embrace it, and I think we'll you know sort of start to get some exponential probably a bit of a strong word, but it, they're going to get some accelerated growth as a consequence. So there's, there's a, there are there is a potential, I think, in this next decade for businesses to get left in the dust and um, and struggle through this. So it yeah, is an
0: important piece of so. advice yeah cool well greg thank you so much for the conversation i really enjoyed it and look forward to watching the journey as you go forward
1: yep i'm looking forward to too sam so and looking forward to uh, staying in connection with yourself as well
0: okay thanks greg a pleasure sam thank you so much for listening i hope you enjoyed that conversation To check out more information on all things Sam Dean and Blueprint, go to the website blueprinthq.com.au. And remember, continue the conversation and be brave. See you next time.